Well, hello there, Lafayette. It's Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the program. Or you can send a message through the KPL app chat. I am, man, so there's a lot of stuff to put on there. That there's not there's 180 characters of space on the app alerts that go out. I just sent out the app alert to tune into the show. Uh, you just got it if you've got the KPL app. And I, one of the stories I want to get to didn't even have space for. I mean, we have Chris Christie, who just filed his paperwork with the FEC to run for president. He will be making that announcement at a gathering at St. Anselm College tonight. Uh, Mike Pence has filed his paperwork, so the field continues to grow. Uh, I swear to all things holy, I just looked up the guy's name, the North Dakota governor, Doug... Uh, Doug, I, this is how forgettable the guy is. I'm sorry. This is how forgettable the guy is. Uh, he is the governor of North Dakota. And he has decided he's going to run for president. And I don't know why, but he's, he's going, he's going to run. Doug Burgum. Doug Burgum of North Dakota. He is a businessman turned governor, and he convinced some consultants. Well, actually, he didn't have to do a whole lot of convincing. Some consultants saw that this is a rich businessman who has money, who can spend it. And so this consultant is saying, yeah, you can run for president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's going to get a bunch of Doug Burgum's money, and Doug Burgum is going to get nothing. He's not even going to make it to the debate stage with the requirements the GOP is working on putting on the candidates. So... Welcome to the race. And Chris Christie being in the race, of course, his line of attack appears to be that he's going after Donald Trump. Uh, that may not be the only thing he does. There have been a couple of folks who have pointed out that, you know, when you look at his record, Chris Christie was very tough on unions and unions have been uh, unions have been making the news a lot lately. Uh, the the teachers unions and COVID-19, he probably has a way in that because he's got experience fighting unions in New Jersey. So he could make that a point as well to try to win voters to his side, not just be the attack dog. So that's the state of play real quick on the presidential stuff. But there's so much more to talk about. And there's a story today that's getting virtually no play. It's a couple days old. It didn't get much play when it was news. It's not getting much play now, but the Wall Street Journal editorial board wrote about it, and I wrote about it today because it's very important. Janet Yellen is trying to usurp the U.S. Constitution, particularly the part of the Constitution that, that gives the power to levy taxes to the House of Representatives. You've probably heard something about this at some point, but... It's not making news right now because what's happening is House Republicans are signaling to Janet Yellen and leaders across the world, you're not going to do this, at least not without a fight. See, for a couple of years now, Janet Yellen has been promising world leaders that, yeah, the U.S. is absolutely on board with a global minimum corporate tax. That means a multinational corporation would be taxed at something like 15% in all countries. And the idea is to make everything competitive, except Janet Yellen got outmaneuvered by European nations. And so a bunch of European corporations 
have a bunch of tax exemptions that United States corporations would not get. And in fact, European laws would punish American corporations for tax exemptions that they would get in the States. In other words, it puts the U.S. at a competitive disadvantage. But this getting corporations to pay their fair share line of attack is all the Democrats worry about. And yes, that includes Janet Yellen, who was frequently attacked by Democrats as being too moderate and basically a conservative. And I'm not kidding on that. I actually had a friend who is extremely liberal say that Joe Biden might as well have picked a conservative when he picked Janet Yellen. Some conservatives were happy because Janet Yellen would be like the least damaging progressive that you put into the role of Treasury Secretary. But this is where we are on all this. This is something that people need to pay attention to because the Treasury Secretary of the United States telling other nations, yeah, absolutely, we're going to find some statutory ways to get the U.S. in on this scheme is completely unconstitutional. It usurps the power of the House to levy taxes. It also usurps the power of the Senate to confirm treaties. See, we have a bunch, we have a bunch of tax agreements with other nations that are written into treaties. The Senate has to confirm treaties. That is a power granted to the Senate. And the Senate would have to go through and vote to alter every one of those treaties if the United States enters into this global minimum tax agreement. And there's no way you're going to get that through the Senate. There's just absolutely no way. It's a proposal that's dead on arrival. There are too many Republicans that would put a stop to it. And there are some Democrats that probably would not be a fan of it either. So Janet Yellen is trying to usurp both chambers of Congress in order to get a global minimum corporate tax on American companies, one that would put American companies at a disadvantage. And while they're talking about this, and while, yes, it is unconstitutional, throw the constitutionality aside. Look at what we've got right here in front of us. We have hot inflation. We have a pending recession. We have a jobs report from last week that indicates more people are working second and third jobs and still barely making ends meet. And now you want to talk about a global minimum corporate tax when you know what a tax on businesses does do. A tax on what a tax do, what a tax on businesses will do. A tax on businesses is a tax on consumers because businesses will have to up their cost in order to cover those taxes. And so you and I will be paying more in order to cover these global minimum taxes that Janet Yellen wants to put into effect. So we have a recession. We have well, we have inflation. We could have a recession. Very likely we'll have a recession. And the Biden administration is like, yeah, we need a global corporate tax. So not only is it unconstitutional, it's also a tax on the lower and middle class, especially two classes that the Biden administration vowed they were here to protect. It is an absurd proposition, and House Republicans, all 25 Republicans on the House Ways and Means Committee, co-authored a bill 
that basically said, we're not going to do this. And we are going to raise taxes on any imports from any country that dares to tax us unfairly, tax our companies unfairly. Now, that House bill is dead on arrival in the Senate as well, much less getting signed by Joe Biden. But it's not so much a bill that's meant to get across the finish line. It's a messaging bill, but the message isn't for you or for me or Joe Biden or the Democrats. The message is for European leaders. See, those European leaders really thought they could pull one over on the United States and be more competitive with the United States, despite the fact that we're all supposed to be friends. But now the U.S. government is saying, no, we're not playing ball. And in fact, if y'all go through with this, we're going to punish you for it. Will it become law? Not right now. Maybe with the Republican administration, if they can get enough people to win Senate seats and if they can win the White House. But the fact of the matter is, this global minimum corporate tax is a bad, bad idea, especially right now. And the only thing that's really worse than the fact that it would be a bad idea because it would raise taxes on all of us while the economy is in turmoil, the only thing worse is the fact the Biden administration's plan for this, like calling on the 14th Amendment to be their way around the debt ceiling problem they were facing, It would completely usurp the Constitution and usurp the powers given to Congress. You're you're almost guaranteed that if Biden were to try to do this statutorily, as Janet Yellen has hinted, that it would almost immediately get struck down as soon as it got in front of the Supreme Court. Because it's not just violating one chamber of Congress in this power, it's violating the two different powers for both chambers. But this is what the Biden administration wants to do. This is the pin in the phone rhetoric of Barack Obama gone overboard with the Biden administration. And yes, I do know that Donald Trump also used a pin in a phone and signed a lot of executive orders and did a lot of things without Congress. But usurping the authority of Congress in violation of the Constitution, was not even something Barack Obama or Joe Biden did. Yes, they skirted around Congress, and yes, they got powers that frankly should have been given to Congress, but Congress has been giving away its power for decades. This goes well beyond Donald Trump, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, even George W. Bush. This is decades in the making. Congress has been giving away its power, and it's I've said it before, I'll say it again. There are far too many non-legislative people making essentially legislative decisions, creating laws when they aren't in the legislative branch of the of the government. And now we're seeing the Supreme Court start to take a stand and say, ah, oh, no, you can't do that. And the same thing would happen in this. This should actually be bigger news than it is. This should actually be headlines everywhere. That there's a brewing fight between the Biden administration and Congress over congressional powers. Every conservative outlet, not just red state, every conservative outlet, every business outlet, not just the Wall Street Journal, every business outlet, 
should have a story on this. Every mainstream outlet should have a story on this. But they don't. Why is that? 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Let's take a break. We will be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, aliens, we have to talk about them. The Debrief is a news website you uh, can check out from time to time. They have some good stuff. David Charles Grosh, a decorated combat veteran in the Afghanistan war, worked with the Navy's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force and claims he has faced illegal retribution for his attempt to bring accountability to the government's work on extraterrestrial life. Grush, according to the debrief, said the recoveries of partial fragments through and up to intact vehicles have been made for decades through the present day by the government, its allies, and defense contractors. Analysis has determined that the objects retrieved are, quote, of exotic origin, non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, based on the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures, he said. We are not talking about the prosaic origins or identities, Grush said, referencing information he provided Congress and the current ICIG. The material includes intact and partially intact videos. There is also a separate opinion piece at Politico from former Defense for Intelligence employee claiming the government is engaged in a reverse engineering project of UFOs. Aliens. I, I don't know if there are aliens. I, 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 I tend to think there probably are. Um, just the vastness of the universe makes it seem impossible that we are somehow the only planet that can, that can sustain intelligent life. I, I find that to be a questionable at best belief. But at the same time, I understand the arguments of I, I have friends who are deep evangelicals who are saying you're you're looking you're looking for a rational science based idea when there are other powers at work constantly, and that's true. And and, and my faith does kind of necessitate I feel that way. So it's kind of a conflict. But I want to know what the UFOs are. We've seen the video clips of stuff that have come out. We have reports now that they're reverse engineering. UFOs. I mean, and the, the thing is, UFO doesn't automatically mean alien. It just means we we don't recognize it. Now, if some other country like China or Russia is developing something that we can't identify using technology we didn't know they have, that's a very, very serious national defense problem. Or any other country for that matter. Or uh or or um I don't remember what I was going to say. Thought just flew. Guys, I haven't had. I can't say I haven't had enough coffee today. I've been yawning nonstop. I keep turning the mic off so y'all don't hear me yawn. I'm just exhausted for whatever reason, but that's where I am. And so I just whatever thought was there uh, just flew out the the flew out of my head, just like a little birdie. Just flew out. Anyway, aliens. 
Are they real? There's people that are saying that we've got something that is completely unexplainable by human standards that we have collected. Our government, defense contractors, allies, all that have collected, and we're having a hard time explaining it. All I want is for somebody to develop the type of virtual reality or or augmented reality that Apple has seemingly invented that by all reviews is cool, but costs $3,500. If we can do that without it costing $3,500, I want it. Use the UFO technology for that. Back in a minute. I swear, y'all, it's been nonstop yawning. If I start snoring on the air, I just need y'all to figure out a way to get in touch with me. Um, I just send somebody in to wake me up or something like that. I don't, I don't know why it's not even the fact that I was here this morning doing the morning show too, just for whatever reason, not I've had like three cups of coffee today, two of them in the couple hours before now. I, I know I slept horribly last night, but anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about golf. That's exciting, right? Actually big news that, that is pretty relevant uh, Live Golf and the PJ Tour and the DP Tour, which is kind of referred to as European PGA, uh, all three of those are combining. And it came as a shocking, shocking announcement this morning. There was a merger announcement this morning broken on the news, uh, on the particular business news channels. Uh, CNBC, uh, I think, was one of the first to break it. Wall Street Journal had a pretty in-depth look at it. There was a full, huge press release that was put out everything. The CEO of Live Golf and the golfers of the PGA Tour were not aware. And they are upset, particularly the PGA golfers, and here's why. Live Golfers got an insane amount of money to go play Live Golf. By the way, something I learned, I never it never even occurred to me. I thought live was an abbreviation of something. Live L I V is the Roman numeral for 54, which is how many holes they play. I did not know that. Dave Schultz over at the GOAT told me that this morning. He just found that out. I was like, okay, that makes sense. It never once occurred to me. Not once. Didn't even bother trying to ask at any point, really. But man, anyway, so Live Golf, PGA, they're merging. And there are a lot of people expressing their outrage, Democrats and Republicans, because of Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, their public investment fund was the big, um, that, that was the big money behind Live Golf. And the public investment fund is run by the Saudi government, which means it's run by the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, who is still considered by mostly Democrats, but some Republicans to be a very terrible dude that we should not be in bed with as a country. Now, the reason the Democrats and the media don't want us to be in bed with them is, again, because of Jamal Khashoggi, the reporter from The Washington Post, who uh, the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, had murdered. And uh, the media and the Democrats have not gotten over that. Joe Biden vowed to make Saudi Arabia a pariah over that. And then what happened? Joe Biden won re-election and this past summer had to go to Saudi Arabia and fist bump and try to make up with him and beg them to produce more oil. And they promptly cut oil production. And they're doing so again right now. Saudi Arabia does not 
or is not happy with the United States. Saudi Arabia and the U.S. have have been allies for a while. They are not a country that's great when it comes to their record of human rights, uh, but they've gotten better. However, a lot of Saudi Arabia's enemies in their region are also enemies of the United States. We have military bases. We have worked with Saudi Arabia. We have military bases in Saudi Arabia. We have a lot of common interests. And Joe Biden ignoring Saudi Arabia, I think at one point basically saying he's not talking to some crown prince, he's talking to the king, that, excuse the language, pissed off Mohammed bin Salman, and Saudi Arabia has been cozying up to Russia and cozying up to China and even now cozying up to Venezuela because they're so just done with the United States and it's the fickleness of the Biden administration. So that's why a lot of politicians and reporters are upset with the live PGA deal. PGA golfers are mad because they took the principled stand and didn't go for the money. And now the live golfers and them are going to be in the same uh, company, you know, working for the same organization, golfing in the same organization under the same banner. And the live golfers have all that live money. Yeah, I would imagine the PGA golfers are upset. Now, there is supposed to be, as part of the agreement, a fair and reasonable way to get all the golfers uh, who had left the PGA back into the PGA, whatever this new banner is going to be, something like that. But this is a pretty big deal in the business world. It fundamentally reshapes golf as we know it. It's a big deal because of how few people were informed of it. It was a shock uh, announcement that came today. And it's a big deal politically because of the Saudi Arabia situation. And the political part is, you know, the part that you and I look at from time to time. Actually, this is most of the focus on this show. And in this case, it's hard to say. I mean, the, 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 uh, the public investment fund is going to have It's going to be putting money into this. It's not going to be like the sole funding authority. It's not going to be all Saudi money that comes into this. That is going to be a part of it. It will have an impact on it. The issue that a lot of people are having right now is, is Saudi Arabia really this pariah? And if so, can we allow these American athletes, these golfers, to go play under the Saudi banner? And should we have some sort of rules or regulation? That's going to be the next thing that comes up. What sorts of rules and regulations are we going to have? I just talked in the last segment about, uh, or in the last half hour, about the uh, the global corporate minimums. And here's another thing. The, the U.S. government is going to want a way to regulate this so that it's fair to everybody. I'm not sure they can pull that one off either. It's just such a confusing situation. And the fact of the matter, the really silly part about all this is everybody who took this principled anti-Saudi Arabia stand, despite the fact that we've been friends with Saudi Arabia for a while, and these golfers who didn't take the money, who stuck with the PGA Tour, who basically said there's no way that this organization lasts you know, long enough to be a true rival to us. And then look what happens. They all merge together. Biggest shock. Nobody's, nobody really saw that one coming. But the ones who look kind of silly are the folks who took this principled stand against live because of the Saudi Arabia thing. 
because now they're all part of the same organization. Now they've all got egg on their face. And now the PGA golfers are there, and they don't have that live money that the other live golfers got. The live golfers have that much more money, and they're back in the league together with the guys who didn't take the money. That's going to cause some, some problems on the tours. We'll see how that goes. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Shout out to Kenny, who I know is listening, and shout out to Billy, who sent a message to the app uh, when I was talking about the aliens in the last segment. Uh Billy kind of jokingly said, you know, I called dibs on the on the cute ones. I can't do that. My house, aside from me, is all women. I have a wife and two daughters. Even the cat's a girl. I can't bring another woman into the house. I'm not bringing any alien into the house, frankly, but not another woman. Uh, I, I would be causing uh, more problems for myself. Uh, and if I'm not getting sleep now, I definitely wouldn't get sleep then. So not doing it, Billy, that's all. You can call dibs on the on the cute aliens if there are such aliens out there. Uh, 232-1542 or send a message through the KPL app if you want to. Uh, there's some other interesting news of the day globally. Uh, the Ukraine war. Some news that we got this morning out of there that is pretty interesting. A dam in the southern part of Ukraine that was being controlled by Russia, that dam uh, was damage has caused massive flooding in that area. Uh, it's threatening dozens of communities and tens of thousands of people downstream. The Russians are blaming the Ukrainians for shelling the dam. The Ukrainians are saying that's stupid because it hurts us. You clearly blew it up, and Russia's denying it. U.S. intelligence believes that Russia did, in fact, blow it up. At the very least, Russia was allowing the levels to get too high, and so it's almost criminal negligence at that point. That's what damaged the dam. There was just too much water, it started overflowing, just caused all sorts of problems, and now there's flooding downstream. Either which way, the Russians probably are responsible for this. As Ukraine begins mounting its counteroffensive, things like this are only going to motivate the Ukrainian soldiers at a time when Russian soldiers really aren't that motivated. Russia has failed to run an effective war here. This should have been something that was taking, if, if Russia was as strong as everybody feared Russia was, this war should have been over fairly quickly, but the fact that it's not means, yes, Russia's a paper tiger, and yes, the Ukrainians are motivated right now. And a counteroffensive against Russia is going to prove to be very costly to Russia. And if Russia is destroying dams and drowning communities of Ukrainians, the Ukrainian soldiers are only going to be that more motivated. The Ukrainians have nothing to lose at this point. There is a major global power that has invaded their borders and has been there for a year and a half, and they're not going away. The Ukrainians are like, it's now or, it's, it's, it's now or never. There, there's nothing to lose. They're going to go all out to drive the Russians back. And the Russians can't really afford much of a longer war. The dam breach limits Ukraine's ability to navigate the area. The dam breach is good news for Russia. But Russia's blaming Ukraine. 
You really think that's the case? 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Let's go ahead and take our last break of the day. When we come back, your calls, your messages, and more of the news of the day right here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. So with everything else going on, CNN appears to be imploding. Chris Licht, the CEO that came in after Jeff Zucker, is already appears halfway out the door. There will be somebody else coming in to kind of take over the day-to-day operation. Chris Licht apparently told staff, I should not be in news. Him saying that, not me. I should be in news, but Chris Licht thinks he should not be. Um, This is interesting. Chris Licht is under a lot of fire for a lot of decisions at CNN. There's been a lot of staff changes. There has been the Trump town hall that the rest of the media was absolutely uh, just in a frenzy over. Um, And Licht has really, uh, he's ruffled a lot of feathers at CNN. There's a lot of discontent backstage. Oliver Darcy who used to be a writer at The Blaze, and despite that being a conservative outlet, has proved to be really anything but conservative. Oliver Darcy is a media reporter, and he's openly criticizing Licht over at CNN. Um, there, so there is basically open rebellion. Licht is actually right in many of the things that he said. The problem is that he said them very bluntly and very publicly. In an interview, he mentioned that uh, CNN's COVID coverage, which won Pulitzer Prizes and all this and all these awards, was actually a reason a lot of people didn't watch CNN anymore. And he wasn't just saying that out of turn. He was looking at internal data that CNN had collected, talking to various viewers. And yeah, the data showed it was the COVID coverage, the constant panic, the constant attacking, all that, that drove a lot of viewers away during the pandemic. But he said that out loud and openly, and it really struck a nerve with a lot of CNN folks, and they're just wanting him out the door now. CNN is still, it's been the slowest implosion I think we've ever seen of anything, but it's still slowly imploding. Chris Licht actually was probably doing some really good things, but he was, he was, he, 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 he flew too high too fast. Um, a lot of the changes he brought about were actually in the short term necessary. Um, a lot of those staffing changes at CNN, very necessary. There are some lineup changes they still, I think, need to make. But he's been right in a lot of the things that he said, but he said it so bluntly, it's just rubbed the CNN folks the wrong way. CNN, I will tell you, is probably still... Out of habit, the one I would, I if I were to watch cable news in the evening, like on election nights, that's probably the one I jump to, uh, because the panelists they have, uh, particularly the Democratic panelists that they have on those nights, are better than the Democratic panelists you have elsewhere. And I want to listen to what the other side is saying. David Axelrod worked for Obama, absolute lefty. He and I won't agree on anything ever. But the way he talks and the way he says things, very real, very down to earth. And, and, and very much you can tell he believes in what he's saying. He's not just saying it for the paycheck. He's not just being uh, extreme for the sake of being extreme. He's, he's very down to earth in the way that he is progressive. Same with Van Jones. Van Jones, who has got a lot of criticism over the years, especially for at one point being a 9-11 uh, truther. 
uh, Van Jones is still somebody who is very down to earth and very level and is willing at times to call balls and strikes. And that is something that the Democrats really need more of. Our side really needs more of it, too. But CNN, their panelists, those Democrat panelists tend to be people you can kind of listen to and get the get a fair assessment from somebody on the other side from more than the other network. MSNBC, absolutely not. They're all in a panic and a tizzy all the time. Fox News, they barely have Democrats on. And when they do, uh, they get shouted down quite a bit. Conservatives get shouted down on CNN, but not nearly as much. And there is allowed to be open debate there, which is why on election nights, if I'm watching returns, I'll have CNN on mute. The only other cable news I watch is CNBC, and that's in the mornings for Squawk on the Street when I can listen to David Faber just troll uh, 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 Jim Cramer because Jim Cramer is never right. Um, never, never right. There's actually uh, there's a Twitter account, and it's basically uh, it gives investment advice, basically the opposite of what Jim Cramer advice is, and it's more successful in the stock market than Cramer is, just to let you know that. Uh, in case you were interested in some at-home, you know, trading. But anyway, uh, CNN in absolute turmoil couldn't happen to a nicer group of, I say nice, kind of sarcastically. There's a lot of very mean-spirited people over at CNN. Um, But, I mean, Don Lemon's out of there. Chris Cuomo's out of there. Chris Cuomo's actually having a better run at News Nation. He's a little bit more fair. He's still, you can still tell he's progressive. But News Nation has people from the right and the left anchoring shows, and they're actually decent quality shows. Chris Cuomo, I think, is in a better element over there because he's not being pushed by somebody like Jeff Zucker to be an entertainer. He's being pushed to be a newsman at News Nation. I think he's doing a better job over there. Some of the clips I've seen, I don't, I don't watch News Nation, but some of the clips I've seen have definitely been uh, a, a very different Chris Cuomo than what you saw at CNN. So it's a very interesting take there. Um, let's see. Is there anything else to cover? Uh, I think that's it. I really think that's it for the day. I don't have much else to go on, but I do want to mention before we go, if you go to kpel965.com, We have up there, among other things, for those of you still following college baseball, the LSU Super Regional against Kentucky starts this weekend, Saturday at 1 o'clock. I think it's ESPNU is where it's airing, but go to kpel965.com. We've got the story there. Always check kpel965.com for the news of the day as well as some other interesting tidbits from around the area. That's going to do it for me. I will be back tomorrow here on News Talk 96.5. KPL, 23 hours. That's all you got to wait. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and email Joe at RedState.com. The podcast is live. Today's episode going up in just a couple minutes. You can check that out over at JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. Shannon is offsides with Old School Nerd next here on News Talk 96.5. Talk to you guys again real soon.